you know, without knowing any of the history of the stones and just kind of letting the energy read. So sometimes with clients, I'll just put out like a rainbow assortment and then, you know, then we'll start to talk. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Jema. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am so excited to be here in my new space with my first interview with a dear friend, Savannah King, offering her insight and story into her work as a goldsmith and a stone sorceress and a healer and an all-around awesome woman that I am grateful to have and hold as a friend. She is a dear, strong, deep Scorpio sister, and I'm just so grateful that she was the first to be in the new space and bless the space and the podcast with her energy. And, um, you know, it's always interesting interviewing friends. I've known her for, I think, over six and a half years now. Uh, We met through mutual friends. She's OG friends with a friend of mine, Paula Malice. It's always cool to sit down and really ask deep questions and just have that like focused energy and catch up with people you're friends with because you you hear about their work and their lives in a new way, in a new light. So that was really cool and inspiring. And I just love Savannah. I love her work. I love the intention that she brings to her jewelry making. And it really is a spiritual process for her. And I think that's so important for us to really look at the things that we're wearing. You know, we're in this movement now of having our eyes open to fast fashion and choosing clothes that are more consciously made. The things we're putting on our faces, in our mouths, you know, the makeup we're wearing, we're all becoming so much more educated about clean products. And you know, I feel like jewelry is kind of this new frontier of thinking that way for a lot of us. So I really enjoyed learning more about that aspect of her work. And I personally wear the Buffalo coin ring that I love, love, love. It has brought a divine masculine forward propulsion to my work this past year. And I really feel naked when I leave the house if it's not on my finger. So her work has personally touched me. I wanted this ring for over three years and I finally gifted it to myself, which has felt like a really special uh, gift. And um, I hope you enjoy the listen. And if you want to find her, she is in LA, but she works with anyone, anywhere, men and women, but often finds herself working with women on their journey through womanhood, through motherhood, pregnant mamas, new mothers that want a piece of jewelry to mark their new portal of time, the transition from maiden to mother, birthstones for their babies, and on and on and on. So always feel free to DM me with any questions. You can find her Savannah King Jewelry on Instagram and savannahking.com. And sending much love 
out to all of you. Jema. Hi, Savannah. Hi, McLean. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And blessing my new space with the first podcast interview. I'm so happy to have you. It's so beautiful here. It is my honor. Thank you. Thank you. Fellow Scorpio. Yeah, man. Scorpio sisters. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's deep. Yeah. As I was just saying that I found a Scorpio, scorpion in my room the other day. It was pretty interesting. You got the nature spirit surrounding (laughs) this house for sure. I do. Yeah. The gecko welcomed me. We've got a dragonfly hanging out. Mm Yeah. There's a snake here this week. Some ants. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't forget about the little guys. The little guys. (laughs) I know. They are the soldiers, really, of the bug world. Yeah, man. I'm working on um, a new collection for the fall around animals. And Mm. so I've been listening to this book about bees called The Song of Increase. Mm. And man, it is just wild. Like I'm, I feel like I'm so immersed right now in the nature spirit world. And it's so awesome. Bees are so amazing. That's all. They really are. And that's actually something I was talking to Jemima about the other day. I really want to delve into bee knowledge. So maybe I should check out that book. And we were talking because she's actually been learning about a lot in, of bees mm-hmm. in school and I guess summer camp. And um, yeah, it's really it's really fascinating. I follow a couple of female beekeepers on Instagram. Me too. Yeah. My <laughs> friend Allie makes be- these beautiful candles. Oh, um, yes. Yeah. I saw that the other day. Yeah. Dreaming the yeah. bee. Um, so it was, it was earlier this year in Joshua Tree, my friend bought a house there. And so we were going there to kind of like you know, welcome the house and sage mm. and stuff. And as we're unpacking our our bags from the car, this gigantic bee swarm came up. And I mean, it wow. was it was a little scary because we're just out there in the middle of the desert in the middle of nowhere. And like, yeah. you hear them just coming on in. Yeah, we stood perfectly still and they just passed right by us. And it was such a beautiful experience that mm. that kind of got me uh, mm-hmm. on the bee train. And it's wild. Actually, the reason that they swarm is just to create chaos to protect the queen bee wow. while they move to a new that home, so a new cool. hive. Yeah. Really I mean, that's cool. what's, I, again, I don't know much, but that just seems so fascinating. It's such a high intellect, the way they do everything. Yeah. And the honey and the hives and how everything just is so geometrically perfect. It's, it's all wild. like unity consciousness mm. is sort of the theme mm-hmm. that I've taken from it. And it's, you know, for my work, like I just love to be able to take those experiences from real life and mm-hmm. be inspired to create, you know, pieces to honor them and select mm, gold and metals that I feel like resonate with their energy. Mm. Yeah. So I'm excited. So what will that look like? Do you have any idea with the animal work? So, so far we've got a couple of beings that have already taken shape and it's a mix of, you know, I work using ancient goldsmithing techniques. Mm. So some of it's going to be carved from wax and um, using lost wax casting. And some of it is lapidary work where I've been starting to carve and draw into Mm. the gemstones and create like taglios and carve little parts of their bodies in the stone and then cast the metal and kind of put them together. And then some of it's fabrication. You know, a lot of the ancient techniques, it's a high carat alloy that I do everything from scratch. So I alloy the metal and mill the sheet and pull the gold. And in order to achieve some of these ancient techniques, you you fuse the gold together. So you need to have a, a kind of specific recipe in order for it to all work. Mm. So in order to do the granulation and some of these like 
very intricate design motifs. You fabricate it all from like sheet and wire and then you put it in a kiln and you Mm. get it hot and you kind of like make it almost to its melting point and just get the top layer of the metal to fuse to itself. And so you can create these really intricate designs um, without having to solder it, which I guess that sounds very technical. but It does, but interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it's fun. And then you'll actually carve on the gemstone. Yeah, wow. yeah. So I've been that working me on out, even just hearing that. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> working with wax is so much more forgiving, mm-hmm. you know. And then as soon as I started to draw in the gemstones, it's a learning curve, you know. At yeah. first, my uh, scorpion looked like a lobster, <laughs> and you know, so I'm getting better. <laughs> They're getting more refined for sure. That's so cool. Yeah. I love that. So you consider yourself a goldsmith, yes, and a healer, and I like stone sorceress. I like Stone Sorceress too. I'll I'll own that one. Yeah. Because you really, the work you're doing now, and I I would love for you to further explain it, but you're really connecting with the women and men, but I I know you predominantly work a lot with women Mm -hmm. and kind of what they're going through in their life and then finding stones or talismans to work with and where, right? Yeah. So my journey with stones, I mean, I've always loved stones, but when I started really delving into goldsmithing and creating pieces with so much time and attention to the craft. I also wanted to really understand the materials that I was using. And, you know, these are the earth's gifts, Mm. stone and metal. So I sought out my teacher, Sarah Thomas, who I've been studying with um, in stone medicine from the Dallas lineage. And it's really brought this really incredibly deep healing to my own life. And the depth of my work has shifted so much because, you know, these are pieces that we wear in our body every day. Mm -hmm. So they're interacting with our vibration and our Mm -hmm. energy field. So most of the work that I do with jewelry is to create a piece that's specifically for what someone's going through at that time or something they're trying to call into their life or even a stone that might've been passed down in their family and we can work to clear Mm -hmm. it and create a piece that resonates with their life now. But yeah, so the stones, you know, I feel like I've really geared my life path now towards being an interpreter, I guess, Mm -hmm. from the stone world to the human world. You know, I I can hear them and I can really feel their energy, but I also, through this Taoist lineage, have learned how they've been used in Chinese medicine for so Mm -hmm. many, you know, hundreds of years. And the way that the actual law of signatures of each stone interact with our body, you know, like how it was formed, what its chemical composition is, um, all of those things relate to their medicine mm-hmm. with us as humans. So a big part of my work is just trying to kind of bring that medicine into our lives in a conscious way. Mm. I love that. You're basically a crystal healer, but through jewelry. Yeah. It's yeah. so cool. And I'm offering now one-on-one sessions at Women's Space for on-the-body treatments as well as stone medicine circles um, where the circle is set up so that people can come and we can gather up and open a relationship with the stones that have to do with whatever that theme Mm. is for the circle. So the next one coming up is um, stone medicine for vitality, sexuality, and embodiment. And we're going to be talking about garnet and carnelian, Mm. which Mm -hmm. are stones that really get the blood moving and have a lot to do with courage and Mm. kind of feeling like healthy 
embodied and Mm -hmm. can kind of connect to our physical presence in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, that root chakra energy. Mm -hmm. And so each workshop will focus on a different theme and then everyone will lay down and receive a treatment as well as learning about the stones and how they can um, work with them in their daily lives from elixirs to you know, on the body treatments and I love carnelian. I have a huge carnelian heart in my bathroom. Yeah. I always wear it in birth. It's so powerful. Carnelian is one of my favorite stones, mm-hmm. but it like I, I wasn't ever really into that like fiery mm-hmm. orange red. And then something shifted in my life one day and I was like, that's the only color I want on my body. <laughs> I want to wear it all the time. And carnelian is beautiful because it it is like, I, I call it the stone of courage, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like you look at it and you get that vibration, but yeah. it's really specifically in the Chinese lineage about courage after a time of loss and grief, mm. you know, it's like, what could take more courage than going back out in the world again after experiencing yeah. that kind of loss? So. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so when you do the one-on-one treatments, is that like crystal healing kind of work? Like you do to lay out on the chakras or how do you, what does that look like? Yeah. So through this studying um, in the Taoist lineage, I've learned a lot of stone medicine treatments that work with acupuncture points. Mm. Um, so some of these treatments have been handed down through the generations of this lineage. And some of them are ones that I'll you know, work with the client and tailor to what's happening in their life at the time. But yeah, it's a on the body treatment. So the client will lay down and, you know, I'll place the stones on the meridian points mm. and, you know, activate them with sound and cool. can kind of lean into that energy for a while and we'll come back up and discuss. What kind of sound? So everything is vibration, right? So stones really come alive with sound. So mm. when you place them on the body, you want to activate them before the treatment. So that can be anything from a singing bowl to a rattle to your voice. In a treatment, I use a rattle often to just activate the grid on the body mm. and then uh, play like an ambient soundtrack. Uh, my friend cool. John Thayer just came out with a beautiful record called Currents, which I love. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I want to get that. Yeah, it's cool. That's so awesome. I love that you're doing that. And it's called Stone Lineage. Is that what you said? So the um, the lineage is called the Jade Purity Lineage. Mm, okay. Started with this badass Taoist matriarch. Her name was Lady Wei. Mm. And uh, she she was really more about internal alchemy. So she kind of started a lot of the tenets of meditation and visualization techniques. And, you know, the Taoist, you know, tenant really is that nature is our greatest source of wisdom and healing she started a school and started sharing, you know, these practices that she developed. And one of her uh, students, this man named Gahong, became what we call the father of stone medicine because he was more into external alchemy. Mm. So where she was sort of observing nature and um, reflecting that into her visualizations and meditations, he believed that you needed to interact with it in the, on the physical plane mm-hmm. in order to receive its medicine. So mm-hmm. he really started a lot of, you know, taking elixirs and, you know, developing ways to work with stones that were carried forward. Cool. Yeah, because stones were actually used as part of Chinese medicine for many, many years. It was only in the age of alchemy when a lot of these stone guys were crushing up stones to make like mm-hmm. the everlasting elixir of life and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And they were 
poisoning themselves because a lot of the stones have wow. heavy metals in them. And at that time, you know, they would have these like pretty psychedelic experiences taking these decoctions, but you know, over time, yeah, they were, yeah. Well, one of them turned himself blue. So, wow. so it was Sun Sumao who was sort of the, you know, big guy at the time in Chinese medicine said, okay, guys, we got to cool our jets with the stones. You can't treat them with respect. <laughs> you can't play with them at all. Um, and so it fell out of popularity. Mm. And it's only really come back in recent years through a man named Jeffrey Yuan, who it's his family lineage that's the jade purity lineage. And they broke off with the intention of using all of this wisdom and knowledge for good. Um, and using it with clarity and insight. And he brought stone medicine back to the West. You know, he's sort of broke with his family's tradition and decided to start teaching it. And he's been in New York for many years. And it was my teacher, Sarah Thomas, that trained with him in all, you know, aspects of Chinese medicine and acupuncture. Mm. And then she opened the stone medicine school. So, And how did you find her? I actually, at a Spirit Weavers, many, many years ago, met Asia Suller, who was offering a stone medicine circle there. Mm. And she had in the back of like her leaflet, you know, Sarah's name. And she, of course, honored Sarah as her mm-hmm. teacher at the time. But I was vending that year and took in as much as I could. But it wasn't until later that I revisited that paperwork. And I found it after I had this kind of big life event where I was trying to figure out the next direction and where I wanted to live. And I found, you know, her, her leaflet from that weekend. And I've been looking for more information on stones that wasn't just use your intuition, Mm -hmm. which I love using my intuition. And I think that's totally valid, but I really wanted to learn from someone that had, you know, a history behind it. Like we've been humans on the planet for such a small amount of time compared to stones. Mm -hmm. And I know we've used stones. And so I really was seeking out lineage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Sarah, you know, I found the leaflet and I was like, oh, Sarah Thomas. And I, you know, Googled it. And I just, I think because I was in a moment in life where I really felt like I was seeking, um, I, I took the, the leap mm-hmm. and she's been incredible. She blends the Taoist lineage with a lot of Andean practices as well. So it's, it's kind of a shamanic, Taoist approach to stones. Yeah. Very cool. And then you went and studied with her in person? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. she's in Asheville, North Carolina. And I spent about a year and a half going back and forth to Asheville from New York and studying with her. Yeah. And now she's brought her program online. So you can find more of her classes that way, which is easy. But I'm so glad that I made the pilgrimage and Mm Asheville is beautiful. And um, there are actually a lot of stones that are local in North Carolina. And mm-hmm. I did some beautiful rock hounding and collected some mica and garnet and some other special pieces. And I was born in North Carolina. So it felt like this kind of cool so way cool. to go home and totally. almost heal that lineage piece mm-hmm. for me too, of like the South and mm-hmm. this place that I was born that I don't have a huge connection to because we moved uh, to California when I was really young. So going back there to seek out a spiritual teacher and mm. to connect with the earth, like the actual medicine, like the stones from the mountains where yeah. I was born, it was pretty powerful. That sounds so powerful. Yeah. Just to really, I mean, I'm picturing it in my mind, like mining it. I mean, you're really collecting it from the source. And I feel like that is something I don't have connection with. Like I've never 
gone and, you know, learned about rocks and stones and nature. I highly recommend it. Um, you know, it's, it's like anything, like they say with bees, for example, like to take, um, a teaspoon of local honey every day and that'll mm-hmm. help cure your allergies. Mm-hmm. And with stones, it's very similar. Like if you collect stones that are in your area, you know, they're, they were created in the energy field within which you now live. Mm-hmm. So um, that vibration is really going to resonate with the things that you're interacting with on a daily level. So when I moved to California, I did sort of a road trip pilgrimage and went to the Obsidian Dome which is just mm. actually near Mammoth Lakes a few hours away wow. and collected just some really beautiful pieces that are very powerful there. And, um, I you love know, Obsidian. yeah. And for California natives, uh, serpentine is our state wow. stone and it's actually pretty abundant. It's kind of, it looks sort of greenish brown. It's like, yeah, it's got an interesting story to it, but if you look for it, you'll start to see it. It's like little, uh, kind of shale looking pieces of mm. green mm-hmm. like a snake so yeah call that. yeah <laughs> it has a little mm-hmm. bit of that kundalini for <laughs> sure <laughs> california yeah yeah <laughs> uh i didn't realize you were born in north carolina That's i was cool. where yeah. i was born in raleigh hmm. yeah cool. uh, my parents are both from the south and then my dad worked in music so he brought us out to the west coast when i was four oh, i did yeah. not know that mm-hmm I used to go to camp in Tuxedo, North Carolina, which I don't know where it is, but oh, it's really pretty. I love North Carolina. That's really cool. And thank you. I love knowing like the lineage and how people get into what they're interested in. It's really cool. Yeah. I kind of geek out on it. I love reading. I love knowledge. And I think especially with stones that can feel so high vibration and mm-hmm. can, I think, sometimes be ungrounded learning from this lineage and really learning how it interacts with our physical body based on their physical attributes grounded the information in a way that feels uh, super supportive to mm-hmm. yeah, being embodied. Mm-hmm. And how did you get into jewelry making in the beginning anyway? Well, yeah, that's also sort of a funny, like I, I was a creative gun for hire in New York for many years, I guess. I was playing music. I was playing bass in an all-girl band and I was making neon light pieces. And, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and doing like installations for, for different stores. And um, a company said, hey, do you make jewelry also? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure I do. <laughs> and I think it was divine intervention that I you know, went online in the first course that I could take was at the studio that I ended up teaching at. You know, mm. I, I fell in love with it. I walked in the door and it's a studio that focuses all on ancient and classical goldsmithing techniques. Mm. So you do everything, you know, by hand from scratch and the community is really tight knit. And Jeanette, the director of the school, became my mentor and invited me mm. to become an apprentice because they still run things in the old world way. So I apprenticed for several years and then became a teacher there before. So cool. Yeah. Before I moved back to California. Mm -hmm. And how long were you in New York? I was there for uh, 15 years on and off. Yeah. Um, 12 years in this last stretch. So it was, it was hard to leave. Mm -hmm. Not going to lie, but I had to follow the energy back home. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you had already started your business in New York for a couple of years before you left? Is that yeah. Right? So I was already um, making jewelry and doing commission work 
But a lot of it really had to do with the craft. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the community there really is interested in the ancient techniques and some of the styles that my old studio focuses on. And as I grew more and more interested in the spiritual aspect, I realized that coming home to California would really support that Mm -hmm. move in that direction. So I still um, teach privately and I go back to New York a couple of times a year to offer workshops and be a part of that community still. But being out here has really opened up the doorway for me to focus on talismans and healing pieces Mm. and offer the stone medicine in a way that I guess I, I bring back to New York when I go, I'm offering a stone medicine circle there in the fall. Um, But I grew up here. So I've got, you know, my best friend, Paula at Women's Mm -hmm. Space and, you know, my other best friends, uh, Candace Nolan and their son is my godson. And I felt like starting over was appropriate to do in a place where you have family and Mm -hmm. such close connections. So, yeah, it feels like it's really aligned since you've been here, kind of like leading you into your next chapter of these circles, which is really cool. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting year. I feel like it's such a different way of life from New York. So a lot of the day-to-day stuff felt a little like I had sand in my joints for a mm-hmm. while. But I have felt being out here, like I've had the space to really move into the next layer mm-hmm. of the work, mm-hmm. which has been beautiful and um, really deepen my daily practice and, you know, be more in nature. Like that was yeah. a huge piece for me is like wanting to, feel the sun touch my skin and Mm -hmm. like walk around barefoot and, you know, be able to cleanse my stones outside overnight without, you know, in my apartment in Brooklyn, I was like walking down to McCarran (laughs) Park. It was like the crazy lady, like (laughs) placing stones in trees. (laughs) So I actually could really tend to my stones in Mm -hmm. a way that uh, is much easier out here for sure. Yeah. (laughs) And then if you... So I'm looking at two of your pieces right now. If you had to kind of describe your style, and I know it's always in transition and changing and morphing, but how would you describe your kind of genre or your look or your aesthetic style? You know, I think that it's it's hard for me to say that because so much of it has to do with the, the energy of each piece mm. and kind of designing it to... Um, like I always try to have a lot of skin contact with the stones. Mm. And I think that, of course, training with this ancient background, I'm super influenced by, you know, classical jewelry. But a lot of the pieces with the stones, I try to keep very clean and very energetically pure, if that makes sense. Like so that the stones energy can be the star mm-hmm. um, and it's, you know, having that interaction with our body. But these spirit animal pieces are really becoming a lot more stylized Mm. because they're creatures, Mm -hmm. you know? So there's a lot more going on. But it's a combination for me of honoring the materials that I use, the metal and the the stones, and also craftsmanship. Like, how can I make something to the best of my ability uh, with these hands? And they do feel, to me, ancient because I would say most of your pieces are pretty chunky. Yeah. And big and they're like stones. I mean, yeah. they're really beautiful gems. And um, this one, what do you call this one? Does this have a name? Yeah. So that's the Buffalo coin the ring. The Buffalo coin. Yeah. So that was a coin that was only in circulation for 
a little while. I think it was like 1915 through 1940s. And it was James Earl Fraser was actually a sculptor and artist that the U.S. Mint hired to beautify the coinage. Mm. So it's one of the most beautiful coins I've ever seen. It's so beautiful. It's got the Native American head on the front and the buffalo on the back. So for me, this piece is like my spirit man. Totally. Um, I bought one too. Yeah. And for you listeners that know me, you see me wearing it every day (laughs) because I feel naked without it. And the baby, Goldie Wolf, has misplaced it twice. And they always had a freak out. (laughs) I remember texting you and you're just like, just pray. He'll come back to you if he's supposed to. Yeah. And I was just like, I want to believe that, but I'm really upset. And then I just had this vision. I was like, look again at the bottom of the toy chest. And it was right there. Yeah, man. I That's happened to me several times. It was weeks. And I, I was like mourning him because it, it it's crazy. It feels part of me now. And I feel totally unprepared for my day if I'm not wearing it. I'm not wearing it right yeah. now because I went for a walk. A but. few people feel that way with this piece because it does feel protective. Yeah. feels very protective. Yeah. And the size of it also, yeah. it's like your hand becomes very accustomed to the weight and totally. the, the metals. But with stones, man, like I've had so many stones just completely disappear mm-hmm. and then they'll show up and be like, oh no, I've been sitting on this counter right in front of you this entire time. Like, so no, crazy. you weren't. <laughs> I checked. Yeah. But I get so many compliments on that ring Aww, wherever I go from men you. and women. People are like, what is that ring? I was well, like, you're such a, King a muse, man. Oh, thank you. Creating for women like you is what it's all about. Thank you. I love it. I'm just going to send a little shout out to my client, Claudia, that paid me in cash last year. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was like. I got cash in my hand. I'm buying myself this ring that I've wanted. I wanted it for like over three years. And then I got it. And it was such a a really beautiful gift to myself that I honor every day. And I just read a quotation. I can't remember who it's from, but someone famous, a feminist saying, women really need to buy themselves their own jewelry. Yeah. And I so believe in that because it's like every day I know that I gifted myself this and it's not waiting on someone else to buy you the jewelry or like telling someone else the jewelry you want. It's really this ownership and and then I mentioned that to another friend and like it was a couple of women around me and everyone like piped up like, yes, Dang. I bought myself this. And I love it so much. I bought myself this. Yeah, I got chills as you were saying that yeah. because it's like, I feel like it's such a deep privilege and honor to get to work mm. with women in mm-hmm. that way. And most of the pieces that I create are that situation. You're like, mm-hmm. every once in a while you get a husband reaching out or you know boyfriend mm-hmm. or gift. But most of the time, because you know, we're creating a talisman that's personal. Yeah. I get to work with somebody one-on-one and really feel into what's happening in their lives. Or it's something that, you know, yeah, you've admired it for a couple of years and you really get to honor yourself by, you know, choosing what you're going to wear on your body every day. Yeah. You know, like that's super empowering, you know, not to have someone else so claim your ring finger, yeah. but for you to choose. Exactly. You know. 100%. Yeah. And it really, you know, it just, it kind of sheds a light on just the stories that we just live by. It's like waiting on that, someone to give you that ring. It's just like, it's such bullshit. Yeah. Well, even diamonds, man, it's all marketing. Yeah. I, and look, I yeah. love diamonds. I'm not, I love a diamond you know, too. Yeah, yeah. They're <laughs> incredibly beautiful, but they are actually one of the most abundant stones on the yeah. earth. Like their yeah. value is all in 
corporations mm-hmm. and marketing. Yeah. And, you know, they decided it was De Beers that decided, I think it was like around like late 1800s, early 1900s that they were realizing, oh man, like this is super abundant. The market's mm-hmm. going to crash. And it's emeralds and rubies and opals that are actually really valuable and rare. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they were starting to create this idea of the diamond engagement ring. And it wasn't until later in the 1900s that this actually, it was actually a woman um, who came up with the diamond is forever sort of diamond engagement ring oh God, campaign. And they decided that it would be better because because we were also as a society moving out of the upper class dressing mm, for dinner and mm-hmm. putting on their diamonds that they needed to market to the middle class. Mm-hmm. So everyone, every woman should have a diamond engagement ring. Mm. It doesn't have to be a huge diamond, but mm-hmm. it became this symbol of status. Yeah, yeah. status like love mm-hmm. that you were you know given this and that it's... It is one of the hardest stones on earth. So yeah, diamond is forever like this indestructible love. But initially, you know, that they, they made it out like this is the way it's always been. But it was actually a ruby was the very first ring that was ever a promise ring or, mm. you know, a wedding ring because of its red color. And you would wear it on that fourth finger because they thought there was a vein in that finger that went to your heart. Mm. So by wearing a ring of ruby red, you were like making a blood pact. Wow, yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. And there is no vein that goes to your heart from your finger. Well, I guess we all have like veins in all the body that go pump, you know, yeah. all, we're all pumping blood from the heart. But but it's actually, cool. you know, now with the Taoist stone medicine, it's actually garnet that is like your, your blood packed mm. stone. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. I do love garnet too. Mm-hmm. And rubies are beautiful. Yeah. And emeralds. Oh, and they, they have emeralds. similar um, attributes for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting. I love knowing all the, the facts of the jewelry world. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It must be weird like when you really know all the things deep inside, like just how it's <laughs> marketing and just like... Yeah. Sorry. I feel like I, I keep going off on these tangents, but it is so nice to no, be asked these questions totally because like, these things are always percolating around in my brain. Yeah. yeah so. This is what I want to know. <laughs> it's such an industry. I mean, I, a couple years ago for a little bit, started making malas. And so I mm. went downtown to the jewelry area, the jewelry district. And um, it's a whole world. And I was just like, yes. oh, wait. We spent a lot of money in our my wedding rings. Yeah. <laughs> like the shit is overpriced. Yeah. Well, and that's the interesting thing that nowadays so so much of the jewelry that we see is mass produced or mm-hmm. it's you know designed on computer and cad and then printed um and so yeah it's uh there are a lot of ethical questions i guess that yeah. i have about about that stuff but yeah. but i because i do so much of it myself like i really you know i go to the jewelry district downtown here very seldom mm-hmm. And in New York, I definitely had more relationships with the 47th Street crew because I taught there Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we would give tours of the jewelry district and stuff from our studio. And it's cool. Like a lot of those guys, man, they've been on the block for like 60 years and they really know their craft. Mm -hmm. But it was sad to see that, you know, that era of those crafts being handed down generation to generation is over. Like the kids are like, yo, dad, sorry, I don't want to be an engraver. I'm going to go do this, that, or the other. 
So a lot of these guys are like, man, I need to retire, but I'm the last mm. guy on 47th Street who can like hand engrave this, you know. That is sad as a dying art. Yeah, yeah. And how do people know ethically sourced jewels? I mean, I guess part of me assumes that things that are more expensive, you're paying for that, but maybe that's not really accurate. Well, you can always go through companies where you can get certifications. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, to some extent, it's hard to know because it's passed through so many hands Mm -hmm. before it reaches us. But I try to go to dealers that I know um, source ethically Mm -hmm. and who I've built a relationship over the years. Um, You know, particularly now with diamonds and precious stones, you can go to uh, dealers and sources and ask for certification on that. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I use a casting house that's all recycled and ethically sourced metals. And, you know, I do all of the gold work myself. So Mm. it's, you know, hand alloyed. And, you know, I try to cut out as many of the middlemen as possible Mm -hmm. so that, you know, the pieces stay um, within my energy field. And, you know, these are, you know, we're using, yeah, like metals and stones from the earth. And so one of the things that I also try to do is donate portions of my sales each month to different Mm. organizations that give back. um, That's really important. And so beautifully you do that. So if I, for instance, brought you gold, you can melt that down. Can you melt old gold down and then make another ring? Yeah. So, you know, I usually work with my own alloy. So if it's already like 14 karat, for example, what I would probably do is take it to the refiner and what they can do is put it in. It's sort of like this acid solution tank Mm, that mm -hmm. separates the gold from the other metals that have been Mm. alloyed into it. Mm -hmm. So the alloy means like you take the pure gold and you add copper and silver and other base metals into it until it becomes the carat weight. So 14 carat has almost 75% copper. Yeah. So what they would do is separate out each individual metal. And so then I can take the clean gold back and, you know, work with it Hmm. in my studio with, with my recipe. Yeah. I might have to, I'm going to think about that. I have this cool ring. I just don't wear it often. Um, it's kind of an, my dad designed it. It was my, both my parents' wedding rings combined and then recast to a new ring, oh. which is really, it's cool. But even before my dad died, he's like, yeah, I think you might want to like remake this because it's, it's like kind of cumbersome. So that might be an interesting idea. Yeah. To definitely. remake it. And I have some diamonds my grandmother's I could put in like little ones but it'd still be cool to have well and I love that you know I think yeah um, making those ancestral pieces Mm -hmm. come alive again you know it's really powerful yeah I have this I'm wearing this little diamond ring it's like paper thin it was Mm. my grandmother's wedding ring and then I have her engagement ring which I can't even wear because it's so paper thin I know man that era I had the same thing and I I cracked open the back uh, yeah. One of my grandmother's rings. Ah, I know. But. Well, she lived till she was 102. She wore it every day of her life. Mm-hmm. And she got married when she was 30. So that's 72 years yeah. of wearing a ring. I mean, <laughs> it's a long time. I know. It's pretty crazy. I know. I know. I tend to make things with weight to them. Mm-hmm. It's just my preference. We have long 
fingers and hands. So, it, you know, maybe that's the chunkier things look good on you too. And I just, I like, I really like the weight of rings. Mm-hmm. You know, I should make more earrings because they're easier. You don't have to size them <laughs> for yeah. each person. But I just, there's something about like being able also as the wearer to gaze down mm-hmm. at your hand and, and it makes see you your happy. piece. Yeah. yeah. I love your Morganite. Do you still wear that? Oh that yeah, one? definitely. So I feel like I was working with that one energetically mm. for a specific intention and mm-hmm. I felt like I needed to to give it a rest. Mm-hmm. Um, Morganites are barrels, which are actually super, super hard. So they really work with some of these like soul level constitutional programs mm-hmm. and you want to work with it for a long period of time because the harder the stone uh the deeper the healing the more permanent it can be mm. um, but it takes a lot longer it comes on slower and i've been wearing it for about two years and felt like you know maybe it's also part of the move and this transition that i've been in i just felt like i needed to kind of let it cleanse and, mm-hmm. and cool off for a while. So my mm-hmm. blue sapphire is back in the mix. I also so like pretty. my blue sapphire started coming to me again in dreams. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, <laughs> we'll switch. Got the memo. Yeah. I love it. So mm-hmm. pretty. And then your studs, which you call protection studs. Yeah. Which I love the black tourmaline. You started with the black tourmaline first and you sell them at Women's Space. Yeah. There's like a crew of us that all have them. Well, the black tourmaline is really even like my introduction to stones as healers mm-hmm. because it's totally your loyal best friend like it's it. your black labrador that's like right mm-hmm. there at your side it just really has your back and it's a super protective stone um tourmalines their chinese name actually means the stone that ripples out effects around them mm-hmm. so they create these little force fields of energy around us so the, the black tourmaline being super protective. I feel like as a sensitive person, I just need that mm-hmm. all the time, especially teaching. And, you know, totally. I think like you, it's like people who are holding space and working in healing. It's so important just to create our field before yeah. we leave the house. So I always wear those. I always recommend them for mothers, for teachers, for healers. I mean, really anybody that's in the world. In the world. Yeah. So I'm like humans, I guess, really right now could all use a bit of that. I have a big chunk of black tourmaline over there. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. I've been looking for a black tourmaline necklace because Mm. I just want like a huge pendant around my neck to wear every day. So just putting that out there if you're going to make one. I've been making them on commission. I've had several people ask for them, but I haven't photographed for the site. So maybe I'll... Maybe I'll get on because that. it's very shale-like. So mm-hmm. I would imagine it's tricky to do a big chunk of it. Well, it depends. You can find more solid pieces. Okay. Yeah. Like I think a lot of the big hunks, you know, you see the little flecks fall off mm-hmm. of it and stuff, but they actually form in rods. So oh. like the crystal structure, when you find like a smaller rod of it is actually has a lot of integrity. Okay. Um, you know, so then you just build the gold or the encasement or whatever around it mm-hmm. to hold it in. Yeah, but it, tourmaline can be polished up beautifully. Like it's hard enough to do that. Okay, well, I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. Because <laughs> basically every day I'm like, I just want to be covered in black tourmaline. Yeah. Please. Yeah, I think the the protection studs and the grounding necklace are the ones that I also recommend the most for, for moms. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you have a busy lifestyle and you have a lot of people, you know, yeah. needing your love and attention all day. And so wearing your... You know, your grounding and your protective pieces, like you don't have to do a lot with them. Mm-hmm. You know, they they really just emanate that energy on their own. Like there are some stones that you need to really tend to. 
And those pieces are like, you can sleep in them. You can yeah. swim in the ocean in them. You can wear them all I week love and that. not worry about it. So Yeah, I wore my black tourmaline studs, I mean, 24-7 for probably at least a year. And then I went through this phase where I couldn't wear any earrings. It really bothered me to have any earrings in. And then I just started with these hoops again because they weren't hurting me. It's weird. I go through phases where earrings hurt Mm. and then I don't want to wear them anymore. But I've got to put the black tourmaline back in because I do really feel protected because I've been working so much and it's so deep and it's so much emotional. You know, I'm working with moms like in their most vulnerable times in their lives. And it's, I do do my practices, but it does feel like I have like, the soldiers protecting me when I have the stones with me. Yeah. And on me. Well, and what we wear on our ears in the Taoist lineage is, you know, influencing the way we hear Mm. the world, um, the way we take in the world. So it's, Mm. you know, it's like a little filter. Yeah. I actually love the opal studs for that reason too, because Mm. part of the opal medicine is like the ability to rewrite our story. You know, it's sort of this Mm. infinite potential. And so I think if we could all like, hear and receive through that filter of like, you know what, I'm going to take that and put it through my opal filter and present it back to the world through my magical lens. You know, it's, it's I love cool. that. I love opals. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love opals. And what are you, what size are you wearing? Are you wearing Herkimer diamonds? I'm wearing the Herkimers today. Yeah. Really pretty. I pull them out like when I know I'm going to be with a friend Mm. or like I want to amplify the good energy, Mm -hmm. but, um, but because they amplify energy, you know, I wouldn't wear them, you know, to Times Square. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Too much. Yeah. So I wear them on days like this where I'm like, oh, I know I'm going to see like this beautiful Mm. soul friend that's inviting me into their home. They're so pretty and they look good with your blonde hair. Savannah has a very long waist length, white blonde braid. So pretty. (laughs) So it looks great with those studs. I'm just starting to own more and more, like looking like who I am on the mm-hmm. inside. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I'll, I'll just be my woo medicine LA. lady. This is LA. Yeah. I know. It's so right. funny because I, I, I really don't think about my outward appearance much. It's weird. I don't know why that is. But yesterday I was like, I probably really look weird to people right now. I was wearing these leopard sweatpants, which I wear almost every day. I was wearing a tie-dye long sleeve from Spirit Weavers, black socks with my white Birkenstocks, like the craziest bun literally on top of my head. And I was just like, this is me. This is a perfect outfit. I I don't know what you're talking about. That's perfect. I'm like, I am embodying the old. Like you are my hashtag style star right there. (laughs) I mean, I'm wearing a tie-dye t-shirt and like MC Hammer pants right now. I love it. But it's just funny because I was like, I mean... That, you know, that could be my quote unquote look, but it's like, I don't even think about that as being my look, but that is my look because that's what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway. I know it's, it, my style has um, gotten more eclectic, you could say. I feel like I am <laughs> going back to my five-year-old self totally. that lived in California and like mm. grew up here and was really like wild and free. And, you know, after being in New York for so long and you deal with like more of just the elements there, right? Yeah, you have to like course. dress more yeah. for the weather and, and also teaching and kind of being in a studio environment. Like I got really utilitarian mm-hmm. there and I wore a lot of black and jumpsuits and, you know, I still love to like go to New York and put on my mm-hmm. gear, but out here I feel like, yeah, I'm just having fun being childlike with it. That's awesome. Again. Colorful. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'm wearing color for the first time. Yeah. 
I mean, I love black. I love, I do feel like black is really my power color. Like I feel the most comfortable in black. Mm. I always have, but it is fun to wear bright color too. Yeah. I think that was when like orange stones, like carnelian Mm. all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. I was like, yes. Yeah. Like this. And even wearing that pink organite, like that was the first stone that I wore daily that was pink. Like Mm. I was always, you know, more masculine in my color choices. So. Yeah. The aquamarine mm. stuff you've been doing is so pretty. Yeah. I love aquamarine. I I do really love aquamarine and it, it's a stone that is very connected to my mom. She loves that mm. color and she had a, a thyroid, you know, issue a couple of years ago. And so I created a piece to wear at her neck mm. that, you know, that blue color really relates to the throat chakra mm-hmm. and how we're able to communicate mm-hmm. with the world. And aquamarine is really cool. It's like, I'm actually doing a workshop in New York in November with aquamarine and kyanite and labradorite. It's about aligning with your destiny mm-hmm. because aqua really takes like that wisdom palace, like the things that we know and allows us to communicate it through the voice mm-hmm. um, and like share our gifts with the world in that way. So It's been a stone that's been coming up a lot because I Mm. feel like right now, collectively, we're all really being asked to step into our fullest and highest potential and raise our consciousness and show up and, you know, speak for what we believe in. And so every time I'm kind of like, oh, what should the next talisman be like? It just comes up. Like, I feel like Mm. the universal, you know, spirit guides are asking us all to to Mm -hmm. harness that energy. So. And to have that support because it's uncomfortable. You know, all mm-hmm. that we're going through right now is very uncomfortable. And I feel like it takes a huge amount of energy, especially if you're not someone that has been super vocal or political or, you know, living in that aspect of yourself. And it's, I feel like we're all being called to action, whatever that is right now. Yeah. And to have that support. Maybe that's why I've been so drawn to recently. Like I've been really wanting a necklace or a mm. ring. I'm coming up on our 10-year wedding anniversary. Ooh, congratulations. Which is wild. Thank that's you. Awesome. So I've been really thinking about like another piece of jewelry. But the aquamarine's really been coming up. Well, we should talk about it. I know we should talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that's seeing what people are naturally drawn to, mm-hmm. um, you know, without knowing any of the history of the stones and just kind of letting the energy read. So sometimes with clients, I'll just put out like a rainbow Mm, assortment mm -hmm. and then, you know, then we'll start to talk. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's like intuitively where are they being called to heal? Yeah. Cause you know, no one knows what they need more than themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, so I can sit here and talk all day about what the stones do, but vibrationally in person, you're going to be drawn to the medicine that you need. Yeah. So, and sometimes that might even mean the stone that you have an aversion to. You know, it's right. like, well, why, why aren't you drawn to that one? What right. Coming up there. So, so interesting. Mm-hmm. What have been the most interesting or some of the most interesting collaborations you've done with the client? Like, have there been any like big moments in people's lives that they want to acknowledge with a piece of jewelry? Yeah. I mean, I've had some fun ones with men actually in the last Mm. couple of years, which is cool because I mostly do work with women. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I did a set of band rings for some guys who were putting out a record, um, the vaccines. And that was really cool because I did a a unique one for each of them. 
but it sort of like tied them together mm-hmm. in this way. And I, th- I think that's cool for that's men to like really totally. want to honor themselves. Yeah. And then just recently made a beautiful ruby talisman ring with an open back that was a Vedic prescription ring for a, a guy in Santa Fe who's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. His name's Paul Baxendale. You can call mm-hmm. him on Instagram. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jane Ann's guy. Yeah. Jane Ann's guy. He's, <laughs> he like offers like these magical prints and he's really cool. And so I, I feel like. Yeah, he's cool. Um, Jane Ann, we love you. Yeah, Come man. Jane Ann and Paul, you guys are the best. Like I love, <laughs> and I made a piece for Jane Ann as well, which mm. was, was wonderful. Cause I, I do really love making things when, you know, I know that Mm-hmm. the wearer is going to interact with it. And I love seeing the masculine, like the guys stepping forward and honoring themselves with medicine pieces as well. And, totally. you know, adorning my brother has mm-hmm. been really cool. And I made my brother's um, engagement ring that he proposed mm. with to his wife. And, you know, so it's, for me, it's always when I get to play a part in something that people, you know, like it's, it's, I get like, emotionally even talking about it the fact mm-hmm. that like someone would want to bring me into mm-hmm. some of the biggest moments in their life to honor that transition or honor that mm-hmm. wedding or that you know birth and it just it's yeah i'm very humbled that's so cool by it. yeah and do you do silver also or just gold i do silver yeah i love silver silver was my first love growing mm-hmm. up in california like southwestern mm-hmm. jewelry and turquoise um but so much of the ancient techniques, because gold was really abundant in a lot of the indigenous communities mm-hmm. and pre-Columbian um, work and, you know, obviously the Egyptian and Roman stuff. It's like so much of those techniques were developed with gold. Mm-hmm. But I I do work in silver and, you know, yeah, my sapphire ring here is one yeah, of my beautiful. first silver pieces. And, you know, they carry different energy. So sometimes it's really appropriate to work in silver over gold, Mm. you know, um, silver really brings in that divine feminine, the moon, the mystery, and gold is really more about that sun energy and Mm. radiating and it's kind of the divine masculine. So particularly in Vedic prescription work, the the metal paired with the stone is very important. Mm. And sometimes that's, you know, copper. And because I'm able to add in copper to my alloys, you know, we can, Mm -hmm. um, you know, fix the uh, alloy to kind of write in what we need for the prescription cool. ring. Yeah. I love that. It just, it really puts a new perspective on jewelry and what you're wearing. Yeah. And the intention with, with which you work. Well, I struggled with making stuff. Like I was like, man, the earth is full of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to wear a lot of vintage clothes and um, be mindful about how much I consume. And so as a producer of things, I, yeah. I try to be as honoring of, of that as possible. And so that these pieces, you know, can get handed down or can be, mm-hmm. you know, really part of our daily lives and not just sit in a drawer. Yeah. And then if a mom has baby, do you ever do rings for that baby or like with the stones that kind of incorporate her journey? Yeah. I mean, I've done a few pieces with um, the birthstones mm-hmm, of the children, mm-hmm. you know, for the mother, which is really cool. And I've had several families that I've worked mm-hmm. with, which is really cool, That's where so I've cool. made pieces for the, the children as oh, well as the mom. I love that. Um, but yeah, Madeline, Paula, mm-hmm. uh, Paula Malice's daughter is my goddaughter and she's definitely a muse. Mm-hmm. Um, I made her a little moonstone, rainbow moonstone pendant for her birthday oh, this year. Sweet. and it's cool to, to be a part of 
you know, people's lives long-term. Like Mm -hmm. that's my favorite thing is when I get to work with people over the years and see where their lives go and how the jewelry has, um, Mm, I love that. Yeah. Blended into their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jemima's opal, which I love, and oh, she loves opal. The best. I know. And then Goldie Wolf is, I believe, sapphire. She's Virgo. Mm, yeah, sapphire. Yeah, which She's I love sapphire. too. Yeah, that's yeah. my my soulmate stone, mm-hmm. as I said. Mm-hmm. And so, if people want to work with you, how do they find you? Well, I would say Instagram is a fun way. You can see all the commissioned work that I'm. Um, making and studio shots and that's at savannah king jewelry and then my website is savannahking.com awesome yeah and then we look for you at women's space because you're doing more and more stuff there yeah so the um stone medicine circles are once a month and the next one is the vitality and sexuality um october we're doing um, stone medicine for transformation and change Mm. and then in um you know of course around Halloween and sort of when the veils are thin, we're doing stone medicine for the shadow. So I know where I'm like, <laughs> yay, yes. like everybody go. The darkness. Uh-huh. I know. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So you cool. can find me there and um, I'll be offering, you know, one-on-one um, stone medicine sessions and treatments through women's space as well. Awesome. Yeah. And is there anything that you would like to share or any last parting gift? Um, just that I love you and honor you mm. and thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I'm so glad you were here and it's like this is just the beginning and I'm so excited to see <laughs> all that you are doing and all you're becoming and to watch your journey as a healer as well. So thank you thank so you. much. Bye. Jay-ma. 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 Jay-ma.